You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. As you grab a seat, loved ones, I'd encourage you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For these next two weekends, uh, Pastor Nathan and I will be walking through uh, the family. We're taking a break from our Philippians series, and we're going into a series we're calling Mission Impossible, and looking at parenting first, and then marriage second. Mission Impossible. You know, I was praying with Pastor Nathan just before the service, and you know, it kind of came to mind that if we were to take every single prayer request that had to do with children, and every single prayer request that had to do with our marriages out of the weekly prayer requests, we would probably lose half of the prayer requests every week. It's that big a deal. It comes up again and again in the burdens of the hearts of the people. It comes up again and again in the counseling rooms within our church. Oh, Lord, help our marriages. Oh, Lord, help our children. Now, what you're going to get for these next two weekends, I will promise you this, is not a series or a set of behavior corrections. We're not going to give you a list of 10 things to do or 10 things not to do. We're going to give you something far more transformative, we pray, which is a grand and glorious view of God. And as the love of our God increases and swells to overflowing, then that that would overflow into the care and the love of others around us, particularly within our family. So I get uh, parenting this weekend, and, and we've had many real moments, uh, Nathan and I, of laughing about the, the jobs that we've been given. Uh, Craig, you get parenting. Nathan, you get marriage. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, here's what you need to know, though. This is not going to be, let's listen to Craig's wisdom, okay? And we can all say amen to that. Uh, this is going to be studying from God's Word. You know, just in, in anticipation of this weekend, I was just writing down uh, some things that were actually said by parents in our home this week. Uh, and I think this will, uh, this will summarize the entirety of my wisdom in parenting, okay? So this is my wisdom, uh, some of the things that were said uh, this weekend in our home by one of the parents. I won't tell you who. Uh, here's one. If you don't stop grumping at me, I will remove the high-heeled shoes from your backpack, Here's another one. This morning uh, said to my youngest, you need to finish your waffle and then your chocolate cake and then you can have more popcorn. It was a rough morning. Um, here's another one. I want to take you, I do want to take you on a date tonight, but you need to shower first. Um, if you don't do it at school, why do you do it at home? The whole world is filled with tissues. Use them. That is it. That's my wisdom. That's all you get from me tonight. Uh, I am very much in the position, I pray, as you are, of recognizing weakness in parenting, of realizing I'm not making the mark that I need to be making, of falling very, very short. Uh, the letter that you have in front of us, it's a letter, 2 Corinthians, was originally penned by Paul, and it was written to the, to the church in, in Corinth which is a Greek colony, and, and, and Corinth had a lot of uh, struggles. It was a metropolitan city. It was struggling in a lot of worldliness, and uh, they were, Paul wrote the letter to confront them on some of the worldliness that was happening in their church, and then also write them about his defense of his uh, ministry. They were attacking him. Some flashy preachers had come into the city of Corinth, and they were speaking very, very poorly of the Apostle Paul, and so Paul wrote this kind of letter to uh, defend his ministry in part. And you can pick up some of that in the text that sits 
that's in front of you. We're going to be reading from uh, verse 7 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It begins this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our flesh. So death is at work in you, in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that his grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Second Corinthians four goes on and it's great stuff, but that's our passage tonight. And what you need to know about this right away is that this is not a parenting text. Uh, this is not a, a, a text, mom and dad, pay attention to this. This is a call for endurance test. Look at the bookends that this passage is surrounded by. Look up in verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Now flip back a page to verse 16, right after our passage. So we do not lose heart. This is a text for people who are discouraged. This is a text for people who are tired, who are struggling with the weight of life. If you were to get the singular meaning from this passage, it would be this. We need to live and thrive in the grace that God gives. We need to thrive in the grace that God gives. The text speaks to the servant of God, the one who's struggling in this Christian life, trying to walk day by day by day. They need to live in the grace that God gives. Now, what I want to do for our passage tonight is take this and directly apply it to those of us who are parents. For those of us with children, we can understand that there's a tendency for discouragement as we walk by faith in Christ and obediently serve as ministers of the gospel in our home or with our children. Sometimes we lose heart. Here's the application for us tonight. We need to parent in the grace that God gives. So if you can think of it this way, the interpretation, the main meaning of the passage is we need to live in the grace that God gives. And the, and the application for us as parents tonight is we need to parent in the grace that God gives. Why do we need this text today? Why do we need this passage today? Why do we need it? Why do you need it? Why do I need it? Because we are losing heart. We're losing heart. Paul's words give grace to that kind of heart tonight. Parent or not, there's a ton of grace for the discouraged heart in this passage. For the heart that wants to quit. For, heart, for the heart that's so tired of the day in and the day out. For the heart that says, does anybody see this? Is it just me? We need to parent in the grace that God gives. Let me say it differently, though. Many of us are losing heart in this race because we are not parenting in the grace that God gives. Another word for grace is, is gift. You might know that. 
gift. In fact, from our passage tonight, God extends to us two gifts for this life. Two gifts in this passage that if you reject, well, then you're going to lose heart. But he prays that you would take them. And I pray that you would take them too. You've got to understand there's such good news. There's such good news in this passage for you. Maybe you're the parent of a young child, a little, little one, who looks to the days and the weeks and the years ahead, and you ask yourself, how can I possibly do this? I, I, I can't even do this day. How can I possibly do this? There's tons of grace for you. There's tons of grace for you if you're parenting toddlers, little, little ones who get into trouble. You know, you're, you're struggling with the day-to-day -day obedience. The mommy, no. The daddy, no. My child doesn't listen to me. My child doesn't sleep at night. My child needs me for everything. I don't have the sleep. I don't have the patience. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the endurance to do this. There's tons of grace for you in this passage. Sons of grace for you if you're leading children through school age time and all the crisis with relationships and, and, the, and, the, and the things that they're learning at school and the things that they're learning from their friends and you feel like you don't know what to say half the time. You don't know how to lead them. You don't know how to guide them. You feel like they don't even want to listen to you half the time. There's tons of grace for you in this passage. Sons of grace for you if you've got teenagers at home struggling with the major issues of the heart, with the friendships, with the increasing freedom, tons of grace for you. Tons of grace for you if you're leading young adults and you wonder what the future looks like for them. What's next step? What's the next, where, where, where's, the, where, where's the job gonna be? Where's the spouse? Did I do enough? There's tons of grace. There's tons of grace for you if you're parenting the grown child. And you look at the consequences of the decisions that they've made, and your heart breaks. There's tons of grace for you. How are we going to do this? We back up and we look at our parenting and we say, how are we going to do this? How am I going to do this? I desperately want my kids to grow up in this world. I want them to be safe. I want them to follow the Lord. I want them to love them with all their heart. I want them to thrive in this life. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And then you begin to have these mirror moments where you look at yourself in the mirror and you ask this real question, don't you? I bet you you ask this question too. Really, Lord? Couldn't they have someone better than me? I'm not the dad they need right now. I'm not good enough. Really, Lord? You picked me to be their mom? Really, Lord? How are we going to do this? Mission impossible. And Paul says to us today, don't lose you're going to do this in the same way that everything in your life will be done. You're going to take hold of the grace that God gives. The Lord in, in his grace and his love is going to pick you up as his child and walk you through this season like he's done last season. Remember this verse from last week? I love this verse from last week. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out, you do yours, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I'm supposed to do my job while God drives in my heart the grace to do the job and then even to want to do the job. This is a total workout while God works in passage for us tonight. 
So listen, tons of grace for us here tonight. We need to parent in the grace that God gives. Again, I told you that God extends to us two great gifts of grace here tonight. Let me show you the first one. It's in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Here's the first thing. Here's the first gift. I need a surpassing power. I need a surpassing power. The first word, I think, in your translation, as it is in mine, is but. Now, the but that fronts that passage refers to everything that Paul was talking about before, which talks about how in a moment of his life, the Lord flicked on the lights of his heart, said, let there be light, and he understood the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gave him eternal life. And now what's more is this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been entrusted to Paul. And he carries the gospel in his heart as a messenger. This great, amazing gospel. God, sin, Jesus response. And as immeasurably great as this gift is, in fact, the text calls it a treasure. A treasure, it actually sits inside a clay pot. A clay pot. Now culturally, a clay pot today is worth about as much as a clay pot was back then. I've got a clay pot back there. I bought it at the dollar store for $1.25. When you crack a clay pot, what do you do? You get out the crazy glue. You get out the... No, you throw it away and you say, listen, for the price less than a coffee, I'll get another one. It doesn't cost a lot. It's not expensive. It's not worth anything. You don't put valuables in it. Someone could just come along and crack it. It just, just one little hammer blow, just one good kick, and it knocks it over, and then you get the value. You don't put stuff in it that's valuable. It gets banged up pretty easily. It's fragile, it's weak, it's not worth much. And that, Paul says, is exactly who I am. I'm a clay pot. And notice he doesn't say, I'm a clay pot. He says, we're all clay pots. He uses the word we. And he doesn't use the word jar, he uses the word jars. We are all jars. We all need this. And there's a reason why, why we're clay pots. Did you see that? Verse 8, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are a weak and fragile clay pot so that God's great power can be shown in and through us. You're weak so God can be seen to be strong. Now, that word there for surpassing is a really cool word. In the middle of the word, the root of the word is the word throw. Surpassing. What does it mean? It means to throw as high as possible. But let me put it this way. Uh, I, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, we were out on the street, and, and, and he's throwing a ball. And, and I said, okay, buddy, throw it as high as you can. So he backs up, stumbles a bit, throws it up uh, maybe a foot above his head. And then there's that moment as a dad, you know what I'm talking about, where you're like, okay, watch this, buddy. And you take the tennis ball, you back it up, and the high school days of your glory that you thought were glory come before your eyes, and you bomb that ball as high as you can, and then your boy watches with amazement and says, wow, daddy, you are so strong. And my boy says to me, you know, one day when I get big, daddy, I have muscles like you, daddy. <laughs> I don't know why you guys laugh so hard at that one. <laughs> so
surpassing power. Here's how our other translations put it. Surpassing power in the ESV, the New American Standard, the surpassing greatness of the power. King James, the excellency of the power. New International, the all-surpassing power. The New Revised Standard, the extraordinary power. You know what this means? All translating one thing, which is, wow, you are so strong. We are weak. I'm a jar of clay, yes, but God is infinitely strong. And that is the power that backs the believer in Jesus Christ. And that is the power that backs the parent in Jesus Christ. We need this strength in our lives to do the job that's ahead of us. Do you feel like that today? Do you feel like I got that strength? Do you feel like you're walking in that strength today? Well, Paul does. Paul says he does. He says, I've got the power. That's why he can say in verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Let's look at it this way. Here's what we are, and here's what we're not, says Paul. This is what's happening in my life. I'm afflicted, I'm perplexed, I'm persecuted, I'm struck down, but I'm not crushed, I'm not driven to despair, I'm not forsaken, I'm not destroyed. Is this, is this left side how you're parenting? Is this left side speak to the reality of your life? Or is it more this side? Is it more, I'm feeling crushed today. I'm feeling driven to despair today. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm alone like I've been left. I'm feeling like that today. Now I'm gonna say something that, that maybe you might not like. So it's gonna bother you. Can I suggest to you that if the right side of this chart is your reality, if that's where you are coming into this place, then what has happened in your life is you have lost sight of the surpassing power of God. You are walking and you are parenting with the loss of God's great power. You don't see it anymore. And what's more, I can guarantee that you have not spent many moments, maybe even recently, of backing up and saying, wow, you are so strong. I can say that with a relative degree of certainty because in my parenting and in my life, this one I struggle with a lot. I lose sight of the power of God, and I'm driven to despair a lot in my life and definitely in my parenting. But I want you to see that the Lord calls you in love to see this, to have eyes open, to turn, and to return. Because the reality is that the left side of that chart happens to every single parent, happens to every single believer in Jesus Christ. We're guaranteed that we'll walk through struggles. And how great is it of God's grace to give us children so that sometimes these things happen because of our kids? Oh, I'm being afflicted because of him right now. I don't know what to do with this kid right now. Oh, that kid is persecuting me right now. I'm being knocked down right now. Maybe not physically, although maybe physically if you've got a lot of Legos around. How good is it of our God to give us these things, these little creatures called children, to make us realize our weaknesses in life? The left side happens to all of us. It's a, almost a guarantee of the Christian life. But the right side happens 
when you forget the surpassing power of God because you've trusted in your own strength. You think you can do it. You think it's your wisdom. You think it's your understanding, your physical strength, the amount of sleep you get. It's all on you. Here's another truth. Your thoughts, your thoughts of independent strength and ability are delusional. Your thoughts of your independent strength and your independent ability are absolutely delusional. They do not accord with reality. This is not what's happening. And can I ask you this question? How much of your parenting heartaches, how much of, how much of you losing heart in this life and your parenting with your children is because you have trusted in yourself and your strength to accomplish what only God and his strength can do? You've begun to write things on your job description as a parent that belong on the job description of God. You know that moment when you parent your little ones? And every little one has this, where they turn to you and say, I do it myself. I, you know, you need help with that. And you, I do it myself. And then you're like, I don't think you can really use the knife that way. I do it myself. Okay, all seriousness. Can you just think for a moment, maybe this is what God is doing with you right now? You've been walking through your parenting, and you've been saying, I can do it myself. I got it all in my strength. Can you just for a moment think that maybe God wants to parent you right now and tell you that no, you can't do it yourself. He wants you to realize that you can't do it. Is that what God's showing you today in your parenting? You see what happens though, when you start to trust in yourself, you say, okay, it's, 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 it's all on me. I do it myself. My energy, my wisdom, these are my kids. They're my burdens. They're my skills. It's my efforts. It's my responsibility. It's all me. And you know what ends up happening to this? This is what ends up happening. You end up in my complete discouragement. That's a guarantee. If I'm going to run in my strength, my energy, my wisdom, my efforts, my skills, they're, because they're my kids, it's my burdens, it's my responsibility, well, guess what's happening? You've lost sight of the power, the surpassing power of God, and now you will fall flat quickly. I do it myself doesn't work. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not the frenetic pacing of parenting. Maybe it's not the scheduling. Maybe it's not the, the got to get better at this, got to do this better, got to get the calendar more organized, got to find the right amount of sleep, got to be physically fit, got to get the wisdom to help parent. My, maybe it's not your ability. Maybe parenting is exactly like everything else in the Christian life, is exactly like the gospel, where you need the Lord to do this great work in you. You need the Lord and his strength and his grace, that you need to rely upon Christ 100%, the only one who can do the work of a, in, in the heart of another person. And you know what happens? When your head begins to understand this and your heart begins to realize, it's not my strength. I need the power of God in my life. I need him and his grace, and I cling to the surpassing power of God in my life. Do you know what ends up happening? Well, the jar of clay is invincible. Okay, let me, let me show you my pot. Okay, so this is, this is my dollar store, dollar 25 pot, okay? So it's, it's pretty banged up. You can see it. It's got little cracks there. I put some band-aids on there to crack it and to show you that. 
But what you can't see is, is that I have poured concrete in this. So you can think, okay, well, man, I'm going to come along and kick that pot. I'm going to break it down, and it's going to shatter. Go ahead. You're going to end up cracking your foot on this. The surpassing power of the concrete is strengthening the weakness of the pot. It's reality for the life of the believer in Jesus Christ. I am weak, but inside of me is the strength of Jesus Christ. And you know what begins to happen is, as these cracks happen in my life, as, as these things begin to bump and, and, and rock into me, all of a sudden the, 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 there's gaps that begin to be exposed. And, and what comes out of the gaps in my life, I want you to see this in verse 10. I'm always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. What ends up happening is outside of these cracks, the life of Jesus Christ begins to be shown, cracked and beaten up. And then verse 11 picks this thought up again. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Verse 12, so death is at work in us, but life in you. One of the realities of the follower of Christ is that as this difficult life rolls on, and we find ourselves banged around, and the cracks begin to show. But as we trust in Christ, what ends up happening is that the life of Christ is manifested out of the cracks. And you peel back the band-aid, and if I, if I took a layer off, you'd see the concrete underneath it. You know, there's some of you here today, and I, could, I know some of your stories, and that's your life right now. Banged up, knocked around, beaten up. That's, that's your parenting reality right now. Cracks showing. Weakness is there. But in the cracks, in the weakness, the surpassing power of Jesus Christ is manifested out of you. Now let me ask you, parents. Isn't this what your children need from you most? They don't need you walking around pretending like you're an invincible steel drum. You're immovable. You're strong. You're capable. Hey, here's a bubble popping moment, okay? Pop. Your children don't think you're perfect. They know your weaknesses. They don't think you're a steel container. They think you're a clay pot. They can see the cracks. They know that. You want to go ahead and prove it? Go ahead and ask them. They know it. They don't need you faking your way through life. When they see you responding to the crises and the difficulty of life and, and, and how you handle the money issues in your home and how you handle the work struggle in your life, if a death comes to your family and, and how they interact with the spouse, they're watching, they're watching, they're seeing the clay pot on, a, on display right there. When they see you with your struggling with your friends and friends are challenging, when they see you in the traffic, when it's dense, they're watching the clay pot. When you see them, they see you when you interact with one of their siblings. They see the clay pot of you when sin in your own life is there. They don't need you pretending like you're a clay pot, you got it all together. They don't need you faking your way through life. Listen, your children do not, do not need you to model what success looks like. That's already been modeled in Jesus Christ. Your children need you 
to show them where to go when they fail. They don't need the perfect picture of success. They need the weak mom or dad who clings to Jesus Christ. They need him. They, they need his, that, 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 that I would find my hope in him, that I would find my joy in him and my wisdom in him and my peace in him. They need me to demonstrate the true character of God's trustworthiness as I run to him in the crisis of this life. And I can go up to my child and say, listen, listen, mommy or daddy has been wrong today. We have done a great mistake today. Would you please forgive us today? They need you to say, mom and, mom and dad don't know what to do right now. We don't know this thing has happened to our family. This thing has happened to one of us. We don't know what to do. Let's go ask the one who has surpassing power to do it. Your children need you to say, hey, 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 mom, how's the health today? Hey, dad, how's the health today? You know what? Not good. But I'm clinging to the surpassing power of Jesus Christ today. That in my weakness, in the cracks of my life, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ would be seen in me. Not me, not me, not me, but Jesus. Would he be seen in my life? Isn't that what our children need? Now listen, before we leave this point, before we leave this point, parents, I'll ask you this question. How much of your current heartache, how much of your difficulty, is there in your life right now because you have trusted in yourself and your strength to accomplish what only God can do. You've been acting like you have power that you don't actually have. This comes into play in two lives in your home. The first is in the life of your child. As you try and change, as you try and fix, as you try and steer your child, are you taking on roles that you can't do? It's my job to change the heart of my child. It's my job to, that they would understand the wisdom. It's my job to protect them all the time. It's my job that they would find maturity. It's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. You begin to see your children as projects and not people. Do you know what ends up happening when you don't see the change happening in their life? You're, you're, you're pushing on change and trying to make change. We start to pick up tools that you think will help in the change. Here's some three common tools of, of trying to make uh, change happen in our kids. And by the way, these do change our kids, but not in the way you want. Fear, you know, the scary eyes, you know, the threat of correction. I, you, if you don't, you will get it. If you don't listen to me, son, you're going to make huge mistakes. This will happen, and this will happen, and this will happen. Intimidation and fear. I outweigh you by 180 pounds. Shame. How could you do this to us? Didn't you see all the other moms looking at you? Your brother doesn't behave this way. What do the kids at school say about this? You're an embarrassment to me. Reward. If you stay quiet for one more minute, you can have this. If you be good for this length of time, then I will get that for you for Christmas. These last two are really powerful because God has wired our kids to seek our approval, and so we deploy these tactics on them. These are tools that I said will change your kids. They'll change them in the wrong way. So you can use fear, you can use shame, you can use reward. How about this last one? I think I'm going for this one. The surpassing power of God. Only God can change a human heart. You do not have the power to change any single heart that you will run into in this life, including the life of the child, maybe that you carried or the child that you saw from day one. You cannot change their heart. You don't have that power. You're an instrument 
that God picks up to work on the heart, but you don't have that power. That's God's job description. But do you know what else this means? Do you know what else this means on the good side? Is that no child is too far from the grace of God. If it feels like I, 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 nothing's happening, they're out of my home now, they're out of my care now, I'm praying from a distance for them now. I don't see, they keep making these mistakes. They have never left the hand of the power of God. They are never beyond his great glorious power to change their lives. So if it's not in your power, then okay. You could travel all the way on the other side of the world and you could still get saved. God can do this. You know, I think there's many, many parents here who, who, when they meet their children or see their children, they begin to pick up the gospel and beat them in the head with the gospel, thinking that it's in my power. It's the only time they're going to hear. They need, they need to do, I need to say this. I need to get it in every conversation. Hey, Dad, how's work today? Work is great, son, but let me tell you about the gospel. I respect that. The gospel needs to be shared. It needs to go out. But sometimes, don't we pick it up and beat it on people's heads? That's, that's me thinking it's in my power. We need the surpassing power from God to do the work. Not me, not me, God's work. Be at rest, seek the one who has real power. The other person that changes is you in my heart. The power of God changes me. I get the wisdom, I get the maturity, I get the love I need. You hear what the Lord says to you today? You need my power, you need a surpassing power from God. We need to parent in the grace that God gives, the surpassing power. Paul goes on, verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, for it is all for your sake. So as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Here's the second great gift of grace the Lord offers to us today. Parent or otherwise, fighting for endurance is this. I need a surpassing perspective. I need a surpassing power, but I also need a, a, a surpassing perspective. It's pretty clear from these last three verses that Paul has a very different perspective. It's an eternal perspective. Notice in verse 13, Paul's faith is directly related to his speaking ministry. When I rightly understand the surpassing power of God, I begin to open my mouth and I begin to speak. I will work it out as God works within me. Paul quotes Psalm 116 here, and he says, I believed and so I spoke, to point out to the fact that like the psalmist, Paul's faith persists despite the suffering as he's enduring. What's, what's priority number one for Paul? It's the gospel. If it's difficult in this life, and it will be, he's going to keep opening his mouth and he's going to keep doing his job. What's priority number one in your home? If I was to ask your kids, hey, kids, uh, what do you think mom and dad care most about? What would they say? Probably all kinds of things, right? Dad cares most about his car. His clothes. Their money. Our house. Her job. His guitar. Good grades. Working hard. Practicing. Her books. Her music. That I would clean the bedroom. The leaves. His gym. Notice it's not, it's not bad to like these things. But are these priority number one in your home? What's the number one priority in your home? If I was to ask your children, listen, I'm convicted by this as well. Now you hold up Paul's priorities and our priorities, there's a bit of a gap, isn't there? We have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. I believed and so I spoke, so we also believe. 
and so we also speak. Paul says, I preach the gospel even though it's difficult, even though it's hard, even though I suffer persecution. Why, Paul? Why do you preach the gospel? Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Why? Why, Why, Paul, are you preaching the gospel even though it's tough? Why are you doing this? Why? Because there's a resurrection coming, man. There's a glorious reunion coming. In Christ, I will be resurrected. And if you're in Christ, you will be resurrected. And then you and I in Christ will be together resurrected. And then you and I in Christ will be together with Jesus resurrected. And Paul says, don't you see? That's a surpassing perspective. That's the perspective I'm looking at. That's the finish line I'm focusing on. And my perspective, my perspective, says Paul, is the the reason why I open my mouth and declare the gospel. Because that is the only finish line that matters. Now, verse 15 makes a lot of sense. I mean, you see it that way. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. What a great job description for parenting. All for your sake. I run the Christian life for the sake of others. I, I, I parent for the sake of my children, not for me. It's not about me in this. Uh, Paul Tripp, he writes great books on these, these sorts of things. He said this, you are not manufacturing trophies, you are parenting children. Ouch. It's not about me. It's not about my identity. It's not about how, how I'm viewed because of how you behave. It's me pouring myself out for you that grace might extend to more and more people. And grace spills out and goes into my family as I understand the gospel rightly and I begin to dwell on and love the truth of the gospel. Grace begins to spill out in my family like, like the milk that your two-year-old spilled this morning. It begins to spill like the tub that accidentally overflows when your kid was old enough to be trusted to bathe by themselves. It begins to spill like the macaroni and cheese that your teenager made. It begins to spill like the paint can in your son's first apartment. It begins to spill like the milk that your grandchild tips over. And the message of Jesus Christ gets spilled out to more and more and more lives and hearts become changed and and, and hearts become changed and hearts become changed and then Thanksgiving begins to rise and then all of this God gets the glory. I like how Paul puts it. You can think of it visually this way. God's job is to give surpassing power to me. Surpassing power to me so that I believe in God and then I speak. And then now as grace goes out, grace goes out, it increases in thanksgiving more and more and more and then God gets the glory. What a great job description of parenting. I rely on his surpassing power. I believe in his surpassing power. I speak to his surpassing power. Grace gets extended to the lives of my children. Thanksgiving rises from the hearts of my kids. God gets the glory. That's Paul's perspective. What's ours? I ask myself this question. Craig, what definition of success are you manifesting in your home? Craig, for you, what's the definition of success? Is it academic performance? Is it athletic achievement? Is it musical ability? Is it social likability? Do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. Or is it trust more? Believe more. Rest more. Find more. Love more. Son, daughter, I want more than anything for you to live your life for the glory of the Lord. Is success for me like a, like a fake steel can? or a cracked jar filled 
with Jesus Christ. We need a parent in the grace that God gives. I want to give you these two questions as we finish. <clears throat> Where does there need to be an exchange of power? Where is there a moment or place or a thing in your life right now where you're writing in your job description things that don't belong to you as a parent? For those of you who aren't parents tonight, you could do that as a believer in Jesus Christ. What are the things that I'm writing in my job description that actually belong to God? God's, God's work to change the heart. God's work to impart wisdom. God's work to give them grace to see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's work to bring about repentance. That's God's work. Where are you thinking that's your job and getting discouraged because you're not seeing fruit? Where does there need to be an exchange of power? Where does there need to be an exchange of perspective? What is the end goal? What is the great obsession of your family? What's the greatest and highest value in your home? Is it the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it the hope that grace would extend to more and more people, that thanksgiving would increase and God get the glory? Or is it something less than that? Something that won't last at all. We need a parent in the grace that God gives. Let me pray in this moment. Lord, I believe that this entire room is being parented by you now. You were the one who set the example. You were the one who demonstrated what love really looks like, the self-sacrificial nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your love that gave and gave and gave and gave and gave. And it's your love and your kindness that leads us to repentance. And it's your love and your kindness that can do more than we can even imagine. Lord, you are faithful. You are so good to use others in our lives to remind us of our great neediness and weakness. To use the roles that you have placed us in to break us of what we might think we can do. To break us that we might find you faithful strong, and good. Our children's great hope is our hope right now. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you promise us today that you will never leave us. This is one of your promises. You promise us that, that, that you who began a good work in us will carry it to completion. That's one of your promises. You promise us that your power is made perfect in my weakness in my weakness as a man, in my weakness as a dad, you promise that your power is made perfect in this. You promise that, yes, we need to work at this, but that you, Lord, are at work in us both to want to do it and to be able to do it for your good pleasure. So we leave here today, Lord, not confident in self, but confident in the faithfulness of our God who can do this great work in us and we pray he would do this great work in our children. Lord, for the lives of our children, we pray. We pray to you, our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.